everyone to this very special Christmas episode of Uncanny Cinema. We have been on a bit of a hiatus here for the last couple months. We did our Halloween episodes, our uh, six, I believe, Halloween episodes. And then because I'd been doing this at a clip of one a week plus a couple extras for a solid year, it was time to do something else for at least a couple months. So uh, I took a break. And the panelists took a break and everything, and so we are now back to do this Christmas episode, and I have a second Christmas episode that I will announce at the end. Um, And then once these are out, we'll come back um, sometime in January and be doing shows on a more regular basis again. All right, so last year... We looked at the wonderful, horrible, amazing film Elves. Um, If you haven't listened to that episode, if you haven't seen the film Elves from 1989. Then good for you. Released on VHS in 1994. (laughs) Uh, If you haven't seen Elves, uh, seek that out. Uh, Last I checked, it was like on YouTube and stuff. Has never been released officially on any kind of form of media outside of VHS. But we had a crew for that one, and we had a lot of fun talking about elves because it is just an insane Christmas horror movie from the 80s. So I brought back that entire crew for this episode as well. So we're uh, doing this again, and we're doing it on an episode. Uh, this episode is going to be done on a film that I heard about sometime, I think, maybe leading up to last Christmas or shortly thereafter. It's been kind of making the rounds in like the horror community and um, like people who are into cult films are becoming more aware of it. But prior to the last few years, I think it was like really obscure, but now it's kind of blown up because some places have like discovered it and then it's had a little bit of a release. So uh, I'll talk about that here in a second. But yeah, so it is a, it is another Christmas related film. It is another horror film, horror thriller Um, Very different from Elves in a lot of ways, but uh, they could pair together in a good double feature, I feel. (laughs) So I'll uh, I'll give some background information on the film. Um, But, uh, yeah, first let's, I'll just, uh, without, we won't say anything about the movie just yet. I'm just going to introduce the panel here. So uh, joining us here with her name of Late, uh, L-A-T-E, as her podcast name for today, because she has been 25 minutes late for this episode, uh, is Jack. So welcome back, Jack. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for that call out. I deserve it, but I still resent it. That's fair. That's fair. We got to get the ball rolling here, though, uh, We gotta, in, in more ways than one. All right, and uh, also joining us here is uh, is Jack's uh, biggest rival in, uh, in in podcast <laughs> appearances, and he has 
is is far and away the most podcast appearances that anyone. Um, Jack is 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 always nipping at his heels uh, to try to uh, catch up, but uh, Eric is rejoining us here. Yes, and I'm always on time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, also joining us again, uh, we have a gentleman who was, as I said, also on Elves with us, and then he's been on some of our political episodes, he's been on a few other random horror episodes and things that we've done, and uh, he runs his own podcast, uh, Gadfly, correct? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, That is a political podcast uh, he runs with a friend, so uh, welcome back, Dusty. Thank you, I'm very excited for this job interview, I'm sure it'll go well. (laughs) All right, so uh, we are going to launch into this. If you always thought there should be a mall kiosk where strangers could text children and pretend to be Santa Claus, (laughs) have I got a film for you. If you always wanted a movie where Santa Claus repeatedly kicks a dog, then stabs it to death with a cake knife, have I got a film for you. If you loved Home Alone, but thought it would be better if Harry and Marv were child molesters. Have I got a film for you? We are looking at a film of many names. Many, many names. It's, uh, it's a French film from 1989. Its French title is 3615 Code Père Noël. Père Noël being what French people call Santa Claus. I don't know what 3615 refers to totally lost on me but that is the original title that title was sort of then translated into an english title of dial code santa claus which is the title that i prefer i think it's the most fun and zany of all of them but dial code santa claus is uh is the english close-ish translation it usually goes under the name deadly games for an, for the English audience, I don't know why they landed on that. There is a game element to it, but I don't know why they picked that one in particular. It also has gone under the name Game Over and Hide and Freak. So That's uh, good. I like that one. So those are the titles for this 1989 film. In a nutshell, it is basically a kind of a home invasion movie where a guy dressed up as Santa Claus is trying to invade this big house, mansion, and there's a lot of Home Alone vibes to it, and we can get into specifics on this. This came out in 1989, a year before Home Alone came out, um, and became a worldwide success, and Home Alone 1990 became the uh, most uh, profitable comedy of all time. It's probably been surpassed since then by like the fucking Hangover or something. But at the time, it like out 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 uh, surpassed like any other comedy uh, monetarily. So um, a lot of people have seen those connections, um, including the director. The director. The movie is written and directed by Rene Manzor. So we can talk about some of that coming up. And then beyond just sort of the Home Alone connection. There's a lot of other strange things in this film. There's a lot of things to talk about. Our panelists, I think, uh, from from what I was gathering from some of their texts, I think have plenty of things locked and loaded to uh, discuss. So uh, I think without further ado, we will uh, jump into this. Uh, what do we make of Dial Code Santa Claus? This this is the movie Home Alone wishes it could be. This is the movie that Home Alone wasn't brave enough to do. <laughs> that's that's my take on this. 
Hummel, the people who did Hummel and saw this and they're like, whoa, 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 we can't pull that off. Let's back it down. <laughs> it definitely feels like a version of Home Alone that would have played at a side theater at Con. <laughs> yeah, never would have made as much money as Home Alone. I think that yeah. was the, probably the idea. Yeah, but, it's it's a movie that while watching it, I like a lot of what they did, but it feels like a crime. It feels like I need to talk to a doctor. <laughs> yes, yes. Like some of the decisions are really good, and I respect what Rene Manzit was doing. Um, the other times, I think he might need to be in prison. Right? Yes. Like, here's, here's hey, a... wait a minute. This was the 80s, and you've got <laughs> some great right. pussified American film sensibilities there. <laughs> um, here's a, You mentioned Khan there, Dustin. It's funny because I saw that this film won Best Director and Best Film at the 1990 Italian Fanta Festival. <laughs> Uh, which is Bunch like a, a festival uh, <laughs> dedicated to like science fiction, horror, fantasy type filmmaking. What Argento not make anything that year? Like, <laughs> uh, it's just there's so many moments that I'm like, I don't want to be seeing this. I don't want this in my eyes. Like you know, from Jack, the I'm very gonna, start, I'm gonna, the, I'm gonna get the first one out of the way because it's Go. the second series of images you get. Yes, thank you. And it, I hate to say it. Glistening child bodies. <laughs> it's awful. It's so bad. <laughs> it's, there's no movie that I can imagine that fits well with that. You could be doing a, a documentary about child bodybuilders, and an editor would have to walk in and be like, "We have to cut all of this. All of I'm it. Sorry, gone. <laughs> Such extreme close-ups of a sweaty child body, and it's awful. I mean, to be fair, uh, it's just like arms and legs and face. It's not like, but that's. The, it's I would say the so best it, thing I could say about it. So <laughs> to, the moment yeah, you're talking about, like, is I, this the movie that Santa Vagrant wants to make? <laughs> I no, I, I I understand your reading of that that way, and I had the my initial. I had I I'll say what my initial worry was. It was before that moment, but then that moment came, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, but I think what that moment is, it, it definitely like yeah, to an American audience. To a modern audience, you're looking at that and you're like, um, <laughs> no, but I think what is that he's trying, the director is trying to like ape 80s action movie tropes oh, yeah. of like Rambo and that kind of stuff. So I don't think it's, for sure. meant, well, here's, the, but I want to, I want to be clear. I don't think, I don't think, I don't know for sure, but I don't think the director's intention is to make it seem sexualized. It's just to no, make it, no, no, make no. the kids seem like Rambo and tough. Correct. But yeah, it's just something you don't see with kids, and it's weird. But I will say that that reading of it is, I think, added to because the very beginning of the movie, you see this kind of like vagrant guy, drifter guy. I don't know exactly, you know, what uh, his situation is at the beginning, and he sees some like kids playing, and he's like, I don't know. 40 or something bearded he's got kind of crazy eyes he kind of looks like the villain from the first mad max movie who's also the villain in the last mad max movie um he's got like a beard and like wild uh hair and bugged out eyes um but he's like watching these kids play and then starts to want to try to play with them it's a and snowball as fight. and as i'm watching it and this is like the opening scene basically and as i'm watching it I knew I knew very little about the film. I can tell you the, the extent that I did know. But as I'm watching it, I was like, I, literally out of my mouth, I said, 
oh no <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like, yeah. like where's where's this movie gonna go now <laughs> yep. yeah it's uh, going into this i mean we we're, were talking about this a little earlier linton let us know that the film that we we're going to be watching was under wraps and instead of assuming that meant like it's going to be a secret and then you'll find out, I assumed it was the Disney Mummy Christmas movie Under Wraps starring Bill Faberbacky. Dusty, so, you know damn well that I'm, I, Dusty, you know damn well that I'm a writer and editor and that I did not capitalize Under Wraps. And if I was talking about a film, I absolutely would have capitalized the name of the film. Obviously, oh, no, I recognize Dusty. this is all on me. You are not wrong. <laughs> Um, but when I was watching the opening, I was like, this is, I didn't know it was a horror movie. I didn't know what the fuck was going to happen yep. or what was happening. And for a brief moment, I'm like, is this some weird Robin Williams B movie where we're watching a guy who connects to children in a way that in the early late eighties, early nineties was shown as like precious and a good wholesome thing, but did not age or, or is this a horror movie? And I just don't know it. Oh, no, in the Robin Williams film, Jack, he does age, Dusty. That's what it's all about. <laughs> my bad, my bad. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, it's like the, he kind of has this world according to Garp look going on that it's just like this <laughs> This guy's either our comedic star or there's going to be 16 murders in about a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but Saw like... him loading rocks into those snowballs. He was uh, taking these kids out. <laughs> Yeah, so all I knew about this film was I came across it randomly. Some article was talking about it. Basically, what happened was it uh, it's a French film, and I don't I don't know if it was even ever available on VHS to an American audience, let alone any other form of media. Um, so I think it was available in Europe. Um, and I think so. I think Europeans have known about it. I don't know how popular it is or anything, but. So I, I think like for an American audience, you would have had to have gotten a bootleg or gotten it, you know some like i gotten a vhs tape but i think those would be like pal so you'd have to have some like pal vhs player or some shit yeah i don't think but, it would have made it past customs <laughs> yeah but it uh a few years ago let me find this yeah so in 2018 the film had its north american premiere at fantastic fest in austin texas and i've mentioned fantastic fest before they like that italian one i just mentioned um are a festival that's dedicated to like sci-fi horror um you know, fantasy stuff, bizarre stuff. And they'll take, they debut a lot of new movies, but they'll also take like underground things, stuff that never was seen by an American audience. And so they'll take stuff from decades in the past. So they, they did the, you know, it says the North American premiere. So this must have never been shown in any theaters in the United States. Not terribly surprising. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I think it's been like pretty underground as far as an American audience would go. I came across it somewhere, something talking about it. I saw the premise where it's like a kid fighting. I thought it was like a kid actually fighting Santa Claus, which it's not. I wish it was. I wish the <laughs> movie took it to that level, but it's it still plays with it. Um, but I, I saw that, and I watched the trailer that I think Fantastic Fest or some other site put together. Like, they put together a modern trailer. And you see the kid making, like, traps, and you see this guy dressed as Santa and stuff going down. And I was like, okay, I don't know what the fuck's going on in here, but this is interesting, and I am here for it, and we are doing it next year. So here we are. Yeah, so great. Um, I Just to briefly come back to the scene of the extreme close-ups of the sweaty child. Like, yes, it's very obviously an homage to Rambo, because he's 
putting on a bunch of like fake toy combat gear as he's doing it, as all these extreme close-ups are happening. But the very best part of that scene, and really what just sets you up to understand the tone of the whole movie, is that while this is happening, Eye of the Tiger is not playing. <laughs> But they found the literal closest song yes. they could to Eye of the Tiger, uh, as as Dusty has put it, legally different Eye of the Tiger, legally distinct. It is ridiculous how is that, obviously is that the they're one, trying to make it. Is that the one that was Christmas, Mr. Christmas? No, that's next. That's <laughs> okay. next. next. I, yeah. I, I'm coming I, to that. I, tr- I tried to find, like, if there's an MP3 or something yeah, that song. Me too. The song is like... Christmas, yeah. Mr. Christmas, Mr. X. This guy's singing like Wolfman Jack. Oh, wait, no, maybe that is and the same song. I, I don't know. Oh I, I need to go no, back no, to it. It's a different one. It's, but, a, it's uh, a different? Oh, God. So It was I pretty just, fun. We needed to bring up, I think, w- there's a lot to talk about with this movie, like you said, mm-hmm. Linton, but we really need to talk about the music, and that's starting off with this very legally distinct Eye of the Tiger, and you're just like, oh, it's this kind of movie. Yeah, uh, I was like... I, I knew with the chromatic scale of color, there were opposite colors to each other. I didn't know that translated to musical notes. Right. Almost. I hate how much I respect this blatant ripoff and the thing oh, that let God. me know. It's Look, cool. Dusty, this is clearly the Iris of the Leopard. It's a very different song. <laughs> But like, I wouldn't be shocked if that's what it's called. Oh my gosh, that it's would from be Rookie, a very popular French film. <laughs> oh man, I, I do want to stick on this Rambo montage because he, he's like putting on grease paint. He's getting like yes. these plastic weapons and all this shit, and he's using it so he can go hunt down his his, his wolfhound, who's a very adorable adorable dog. But the way that the entire hunt is is done. When it was done, and like the dog falls through this trap door that in the hallway, the regular hallway, and the dog is clearly scared. They did not like this dog. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) Like there were no humane society people sitting around. Mm -mm. Apparently, that would have cost like twenty bucks or something. (laughs) Yeah, the kid, the kid throws ninja stars at his own dog. They're like toy ninja stars, but he still throws them at it. And then he has a trap. There's a trap door just built into his house. He pulls it as the dog's like coming toward him. Dog falls through a hole into a net. It's a real dog falling through a hole into a net. There's no, this is not a like animatronic dog or any shit. And I was, I was sitting there, I was like, whoa, okay. Yep. Yeah, it feels like one of the questions had to be when they hired this this animal trainer, is it cool if we scare your dog? (laughs) It is, it just, after watching that whole scene, I'm like, oh, this is the murderer. This kid's just going to murder everyone. <laughs> no, the kid's the good guy. The animal abuser is the good guy. Yeah, the, this, this fucking Larry Sue out of goddamn nowhere <laughs> is our fucking hero. So two quick things. One, you mentioned music, so I just want to touch on this since it was already brought up. But there's another song later in the movie called just Merry Christmas. Okay? And it's a female vocalist. Yeah. And it's in English. Um, and all of these might be in English. I'm not sure, but uh, so they might have been trying sort to of. get uh, an American audience. But so it's in English, and you know, it's popping out to me. I was trying to find that you know, Mister Christmas, Mister X song, which is fantastic and terrible, um, but it wasn't showing up. But this one was. <laughs> sure this did. song is by Bonnie Tyler of Total Eclipse of the Heart fame. And not only that, I thought, oh, well, maybe she did like a Christmas song or something and they got the rights to it. No, 
I think she did this song for the movie because when no. you look at when you look it up, it like outside of YouTube and stuff, it says like from uh three six whatever Pair Noel and then apparently the music <laughs> video which I didn't watch but I saw somewhere it mentioned it, the, the music video features clips from the movie. So I think they got Bonnie Tyler to do a song wow. for this insane movie. Wow. Yeah, technically the director was the director of that music video too. So. Oh, was he? Yeah. Okay, then that means you gotta win that Oscar for best original song somehow. No, no. All right. The other the other thing was uh, we've all been like throwing stuff around a lot here and uh, getting stuff out. Eric, I don't think you've had uh, a chance to really put out much initial thoughts. So if you want to say anything. Oh well, yeah. I mean, on the music, um, you know, when I first started watching this movie, obviously going in entirely cold. You know, it did. It had. This, yeah, this, this awful kind of like 80s slasher vibe. And that's kind of what I thought it was going to be. be mostly because the music, it is, that was like right up there with it. And then obviously this movie ended up being, in terms of production quality and how it was shot, how the performances, miles ahead of like any of those kinds of like movies. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the movie a lot. Yeah, there's some crazy ass decisions, but in a way that I respect, I almost see it like kind of like a, proto a24 type film where it's just like it's a crazy concept they lean into it not every decision is great but they refuse to just be a regular movie and so you know you're just in for something different on on that 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 kind of dovetails well with like where i landed on it in if i had to sum this one up for someone it's like a crazy midnight movie that takes itself totally seriously (laughs) Which is incredibly strange. So if you think about midnight movies, like, I mean, even like Rocky Horror, which is like so ingrained in our culture at this point, but like Rocky Horror has like a wink and a nudge and a lot of jokes along the way. Um, There's a recent movie that was actually really good. We'll probably do sometime. Psycho Goreman is a movie that's like going all out and it's very like playful and over the top. Um, You know, the Evil Dead movies, especially as they went along, would lean heavy into comedy uh, we did Hell Comes to Frogtown, which is definitely like leaning into silliness. Like this, like has silly aspects inherent to it, but it like never blinks. It just like at no, there are not really any jokes. At no point is it like saying like, "Oh, we're in on it." And then that made me realize like, and I'll put this to the panel, uh, especially you, Eric, because I know you've probably seen a lot of uh, midnight movies and stuff. But if anyone knows. So, uh, so yeah, my question is, like, is this, like, the only French crazy cult-type film that anyone can think of? Because I've, I've seen a lot of cult movies. Obviously, a lot of them have been American. But just going through my head of, like, all right, well, what, what are some other countries where I've seen just, like, movies that just go, like, balls-to-the-wall nuts in their concept and what they do? Definitely American. Mexican movies. I've seen Spanish movies like that. German. Japanese, for sure. And I was trying to think, like, French oddities that I've seen usually are still, like, highbrow, like, Fantastic Planet. Like, they're Mm -hmm. movies that are, like, out there, but they're still, like, classy and artsy and shit. Mm. And I feel Mm. like this movie, it's it's weird because it's, it's being a midnight movie in a lot of ways, but then it's taking itself very seriously in a lot of ways. It's almost like... It has a French sensibility of like, no, I'm going to do a movie where a, a boy fights Santa Claus, but it's going to be a real film. <laughs> like it, like it yeah. has this like sincerity to it that seems very French to me. 
but it made me wonder like are there other crazy french cult films i mean i'm sure there has to be something but i i can't think of anything famous I mean, the closest I can think is either High Tension or Martyrs, but none of them are very good midnight movies unless you just want to go home and cry. And both, <laughs> right. both like, of Martyrs take is a very seriously. Yeah, too. Martyrs is a straightforward movie that's like, yeah, I wouldn't call... There's not a lot... There's some crazy, I guess, like, places where the plot goes, but nothing where it's just like, wow, that's just insane that they decided to do that. Um... I know nothing. I'm. I can't help in this regard at yeah. all. Have not studied French movies. I love bad movies, but definitely don't seek them out like you guys do. You guys are light years ahead of me. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, you've got like Jean Pierre Junot does. Uh, you know, I mean, he did Amelie, and a lot of his stuff is like, you know, more, uh, you know, happy and and you know life affirming but he did do delicatessen was one of his first movies and that's mm -hmm. kind of out there and does some kind of crazy shit but i would say not to the level of like really crazy midnight movies it's i only saw it once so maybe it's more out there than i'm remembering but that might be the closest i can think of would be delicatessen mm. all right so we don't know. So uh, where do we want to go from here? We can go into, you know, uh, plot or any other aspects we want to hit. Yeah, I think some of the plot might be good, at least explaining who Tommy is and where he lives. Got to talk about his house. Tommy Definitely lives in a goddamn castle is where he yes. lives. Yes. Yeah. With just his mom and grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. On oh, two He's caretakers. Oh, yeah, but they're in a little, a different house. Yeah, so their own that. separate house, of <laughs> yeah. course. They can't live in the castle. They're the help. Because no. he, yeah. he's got control of the castle. He's yeah. got, he's, he's like, hollowed it out right? with all these uh, crazy things. <laughs> and what's funny is that, like, at first, you know, um, when they're doing the montage and he's got, like, the toy guns, it's like, oh, it's, it's kind of cute, you know, because he's, he's got plastic guns and stuff. And then, like, when... <laughs> it's cute. You know, when he's, like, doing, he's got the trap door and you're like, oh, that's kind of odd. And then, like that's when his mom comes along and it's like, okay, enough playing around. Let's, you know, get ready for dinner or whatever. And she's like, eh, no more holes in the floor when I come back. And I was like, wait, he made the trap door? So <laughs> oh, I he, missed that. Yeah. Is he, you know, plastic toys or is he actually like an engineer? And then later on, he's like fixing a car and it's like, oh, yeah. I guess he's just a little, uh, genius with he's like kind of like batman he's got tons of money in this yes. giant house he can do whatever he wants like and just computer programming also he yeah. uh, sets up yeah. his, the home security system like with a bunch of cameras and he has this giant wrist machine <laughs> computer that where he can look at all the different cameras he's got technology i didn't think existed at the time it definitely or should didn't. have <laughs> it's fake for the but movie it's movie better. magic eric maybe you're familiar <laughs> Yeah, and his mom, and I might be wrong, she seems like the CEO of a toy company. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which explains so yeah, he why he has so many toys. An amount of wealth that apparently is is unreasonable. Yeah. Um, he also arrests his grandpa when it's time for breakfast. It's They, yeah, they play it as normal. Course. I don't know how. <laughs> it's just, it's insane. All of the, they, they establish very early, A, extremely rich family, B, like uh, Home Alone. Uh -huh. yeah, well, more rich oh, than that, but yes. Uh, lots and lots well, and lots of toys. To be fair, the family in Home Alone would be much richer if they didn't have all those goddamn kids. That's, that's, yeah, a, that's one right. factor. They could have had a, a castle. but go Yeah, on, absolutely. You're right. If they had stuck to one kid like this movie, 
they could have mm-hmm. all been so rich, and also the movie would have been less good. But that's fine. Look, Jack, I didn't know you support the benefits of husbands dying young, <laughs> but all right, I'll, I'll run with it. <laughs> Not the worst thing that's been said by people today. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's that is a point in the movie. Like the some the grandpa is very old, uh, and it's kind of the Tom Tomas Tom Tommy whatever. That's the kid. He's the main character. He's kind of the man of the house, even though there's literally an actual man who lives in the house. But Grandpa's very old and diabetic, and I guess that means he can't run the house. We can't see. They yeah. show it. Very oh, early. Yeah. We also we get Grandpa blind yeah. vision at one point yeah. where <laughs> we see times. through his eyes. Absolutely. I mean, thank goodness. It really brought me into the movie. Uh, it really made the character. I will say... I actually do like the character of the grandpa very much. I, I yeah. He's one of the bright spots uh, in this movie for me. I did not like it in the same way. I didn't respect it nearly as much as a couple of the other people on this did. It is I, it is no elves. I will say it's not elves. It's not complete trash like elves is. But I think there are a lot of, ooh, a lot of missteps in this movie. And a lot of, we're trying very hard to do this one thing, but we definitely don't have the budget to do it. Such as the layout of the house. I don't know if you noticed... This house is supposed to be a castle or a mansion or whatever. It has one goddamn hallway that they just shoot from one end or the other to make it seem like it's a bunch of different hallways. And it's like you clearly had very little real estate to actually shoot with. So we're just going to make it look huge, but only use three rooms. uh, They also had a maze in this house for some reason. Uh There's a maze that's never explained. Yeah, Uh... totally. Of course, you would have a maze in your giant mansion too. Why not? And it leads to... Ugh, I don't even want to get into it. It's like it leads to uh, apparently the mom's uh, office. They reference yeah. like the, at one point a phone is ringing and the only phone that could be ringing at that point is the one in her office. So he has to do this weird maze to get to her office. And when he gets up there, it looks like an abandoned attic. You know, like every French person's office, I guess. It doesn't make any sense. I did like the fact that the movie made it very clear that, that was the first time he both knew there was a maze and was in that room. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like that bit in Batman where uh, they're sitting there eating dinner and he's like, you know, I don't know if I've ever been in this room before. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah. Tomas is a very interesting character because he does turn on a dime from like, I think you're going to murder people to, oh, you're kind of perfect and weird in a lot of ways. It's like, um. Oh my god! What was that weird movie that had Naomi Watts with the kid who was like making stock trades and like, um, oh my god, uh, book of book of something, book of Henry. It's book of Henry. Good job, book of Henry. Yes, where he's just like he's making stock trades. And he's super perfect and he's taking care of his mom who's like in her mid thirties and that that's kind of the feeling I had from this particular kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the whole thing. Like, as far as plot goes, which we keep saying we're going to talk about, and I keep derailing us, uh, basically, he believes in Santa, and he sets up all his um, technology, all his cameras and stuff. He's like, I'm going to catch Santa on film, on camera. No one's ever thought of this before. I'm the first person. I'm going to do it. I'm very smart. Uh, and so that's kind of the basic plot, is his mom has to work because it's Christmas Eve. He's like, all right, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to catch Santa on camera. Uh, and, and then he's coded on by his, uh, I think, best fr- or his yeah. only friend. Only friend. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah. the family Pilou, who is um, 
He he's set up. He's a child, and he's so set up to die in any other movie. I know, right? He's yes. wearing a Ferrari yeah. branded hat. Yeah, he's acting like a total boner. Yeah, this is <laughs> in any other movie that kid's dead yeah. within thirty and, minutes. And yeah, he well, comes he's too young close. to smoke pot or have sex. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, can't die. he does come very yeah. very close. I, I, I thought they were gonna kill him off in that moment. I was me too. I was like, you know, there hadn't really been any significant deaths at that point, but. Uh, um, excuse me. How dare you? The dog died. Well, that's, how dare yeah. you? That's true. I'm trying to block that out of my head. It yeah, we'll get. I have, I have opinions yeah. about that scene. That Big make opinions. Me respect the movie a lot less afterwards. Yeah, and it's not because they killed a dog. All right, we'll get to it. Well, let's, we'll go, get let's come back to that. I will say that the mom had a pretty iron class, uh, ironclad case uh, for Santa's existence, which I enjoyed this bit. Oh, yeah. where, like the kid yeah. was. Saying like, oh, well, people say he's not real and that, uh, you know, so-and-so says he's not real and the parents give the presents. And so she has to be in that, like, awkward position as a parent. And then she comes back with like, oh, well, he's just a bad kid. So, yeah, Santa's not going to give him anything. So, obviously, his parents have to give him stuff. And I was like, wow, that's that's pretty solid logic there, French mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um, And so – like plot-wise, Telma and Pilu are um are 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 on an internet of sorts. <laughs> okay, I looked it up. Yeah, it's uh, it's real. I think. I, yeah, I min- it's called Minitel. Yeah, I don't. Maybe you can fill in, Eric. I don't understand what it is we're watching. This is 1989. The kids like it's basically kind of like a chat room. It, it plays more like yeah. a text conversation. It's not like a mm-hmm. chat room like with a bunch of people in there. I guess you could say like a chat room, like when you go off and just talk like two people, but he's on a computer. He's talking to someone we don't know that someone is acting like they're Santa Claus. And then we cut to like basically this kind of like busy, like out in the open air place. Like, like it's basically like it's some, it's like a public telephone basically is the way it's set up. It's like just set up like as a kiosk, like in the middle of like, you know, just an area outside and our future Santa that comes into the plot has been talking to this kid. And I was like, well, wait, maybe this technology existed at the time, but for what purpose? Like what, like how, how did, how did Santa get in contact with this kid? Was it just a system where you just like randomly call someone and you're just talking to like some strange, like I didn't understand anything about how that worked in reality, if it was real. And then I saw that apparently it was some kind of, French system. Did you see any more, Eric? No, I mean, I looked it up just to see because, yeah, I was confused about why it was just like basically a kiosk in the mall and I at first thought it was just some crude internet they had and then they cut to that and it's like, wait, okay, so it it's it's prevalent enough so that they just have it in malls, you can just use it um, and it, it is, it's called Minitel and it was like a type of internet that existed in France since the early 80s, so by late 80s it was yeah you probably like an internet cafe you could just use it i don't know how the random guy starts talking to the little kid the kid's friend does mention that it could be like a chat room for creeps or something when he's talking to who what he thinks is santa claus so i don't know how i think the kid just like types in something to try to talk to santa claus and someone responds i don't know how those got crossed and how it, it was even more works, confusing but... for me because when you see the guy's screen when it cuts to him like a little digitized santa claus face comes on yeah. there and i think it says pair noel on it and mm-hmm. obviously that's the name for santa claus and that's the title of the movie so i'm sitting there like 
did France have like Santa Claus kiosks like around it the might holidays? Be like yeah, were, were people like, like um, pretending to be Santa for kids? Yeah, or some like shit, like or? It, you could answer questions that kids had. Like it's like a letters to Santa thing that they were trying to do, and um, yeah, I I think the the friend suggested it's like some sort of like bot or something that would respond or like right. whatever was going to respond wasn't really going to be Santa Claus so maybe he thought it's just you'll just get some person who will respond pretending to be or whatever but yeah like, yeah my, my, my how... the, the note I wrote was what the fuck is the Santa <laughs> chat bot like yes. I just yeah. did not comprehend uh-huh. it. yeah completely but that's another area where um, I, I don't think the movie has like tons and tons of plot holes I'm not saying everything works but I think like a lot of it kind of like you know works well enough in the logic they present but that's one bit that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because our santa dude somehow connects with this kid and then his mom he ends up getting a job as a like mall santa Mm -hmm. gets fired by this kid's mom because this kid's mom sees him acting inappropriately explain say what he did we can we can i'm sure we're gonna talk about him at length jack i'm trying to go somewhere else um (laughs) he's fired he gets pissed off. He's supposed to like go like turn in his Santa beard or whatever. <laughs> and um and then he overhears a conversation of like, Oh yeah, there's supposed to be a delivery at that kid's mom's house and he's like, Oh, okay. So then basically through a series of him like overhearing shit, he is gonna the implication is he's gonna like get back at her and plus there's gonna be a kid at the house. But then that kid ends up being the kid he's Santa chatbotting with. So it's like, come on, uh, you know, how's this happening? This strains credulity. It's, but, yeah, it's weird that like the the because in the when he's chatting with them, he's trying to get his address. Yes. He's like, kid, tell me your address yeah. so I can come visit. You know, and it's just like if that was the plot, that would make a little more sense. But they have that kind of side thing, and then the way he ends up finding the kid is so much more contrived. It's like, why even? have that initial thing to begin with yeah <laughs> but it, yeah all right uh so yeah i we can uh, we can do- dive into our santa who doesn't get a name he's just identified as Père noel in uh in the credits but but yeah i'll say essentially i think we're kind of caught up to speed more or less of where we're coming into the plot we've got this weird dude at the beginning wanting to play with kids we got our precocious little kid who's like setting traps and shit for his dog in the house and there's <laughs> No dad, there's a blind grandpa, his mom's not around much, he lives in a castle, which all exterior shots are clearly a model in a Monty Python-esque way. Um, It's a cool-looking model, but it in no way is convincing that that's a real uh, space. Um, Yeah, I just keep expecting fish to swim past a window at some point. So, yeah, so our Santa guy gets fired and overhears everything. So, yeah, Jack, if you want to elaborate any on our Santa, we can uh, dig into him. So, in my notes, until he kind of dresses up as Santa later, I called him Weird Beard because I couldn't think of any. Like, again, he had no names. It's like you have to call him something. But then later I started calling him Perv Santa. So, either of those works really for him. But I I wasn't sure. The movie never really makes it clear if he is yeah, a perv or if he is but, yeah. uh, a, like, maybe... He only ever is violent towards kids, never sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. It's But is he is he um, an adult who maybe is not uh, fully mentally developed? Uh, yeah. Because he seems to just want to play with the kids. He doesn't seem to want to do anything weird, except for one weird moment when he is being the mall Santa Claus. 
uh, and a little girl gets up on his lap, and he starts, like, caressing her face with his just one finger, like, weird salad finger situation where yeah. he's just, like, rubbing her face <laughs> with one finger, and they seem to be having a moment. He seems really happy. You can't tell if he's being pervy, if he's just like, yay, a child, this is all I want. And then she's like, I don't like your face. And he smacks the shit out of her. He just, like, full-on open palm slaps this girl in the face. And it's like, yeah, I, I think the movie the is most trying to... moment I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> what was that, Dusty? It was about the most French moment I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> he wasn't smoking at the time, though. Oh, that's um, true. That's true. When, when I watched the movie Raw, has anyone seen Raw? No. There's a French movie from a few years ago called Raw about, like, I don't know, a college student who starts getting obsessed with, like, eating, like, raw, like, liver and, and beef and stuff. And it's like a cannibalism. It starts to, like, go into, like, cannibalism thing. It's a horror movie. Um, but at one point, and it's a French movie, at one point she's at the doctor and the doctor is just like this totally like disaffected like 50 something year old dude and he's smoking a cigarette while they're in the <laughs> office and i was like and this movie was made in like the 2010s and i was like this is the most french thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> at one point in this movie they were eating croissants for breakfast i was like typical <laughs> <laughs> eat an ego like a fucking real man <laughs> the point you raised though jack about like the the santa's motivations i think you're on it though because i think the movie's trying to fake you out i'm not saying it's the best decision in the world right. but i think yeah. the movie is trying to make you think oh he's 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 a he's a child molester and he's gonna try to do something but then when he actually near the end like yep. is in close vicinity with this kid he's been chasing which you as an audience have been kind of like we've seen him kill people by this point so we know if he catches this kid when stuff's going down, he will most likely kill him. But we also don't know if he's going to do anything else. Mm -hmm. We don't know if the movie's going to show anything or imply anything or whatever. But it's definitely been like hanging out there. But then he has like several moments where you would have to say he has opportunity to do something. Yes. And he he plays it like a game. Yep. And he uses those words. And it's not even like in a sinister kind of like, you know, I'm the bad guy. I'm going to toy with you. Fuck with you kind of way. Yeah, and so uh, I saw someone, like a modern reviewer, kind of talking about your second thing there, Jack, of like that he might be someone who has more of like a childlike view of the world, and so he's not totally there, and so he still murders people, and he's still a bad guy, but that the movie But at least he's not a perf. Right, it doesn't take it to the level of where you think it might be going. Yeah. So. Yeah. There were just moments where it's like I just I just want his doctor to send me his file. I'll I'll pause the movie. I'll take an hour and a half and read through it. I just gotta know. What is your deal? What's your deal? Very strange, extremely strange, weird man. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we're talking strange moments, there is that that um, I think it was like a minute scene where it's just him spraying gray into his <laughs> hair. Yeah, it's. it's spray spray snow that canned snow that yeah, used to be yeah, really popular yeah. he just goes to town on his whole like face and hair and he's grinning like a madman and like giggling while he does it it's and great it's so oh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's fantastic <laughs> and while it's going on it's just like i don't know if you need to show all of this you're not wanting for length right now yes it's so i respect long. this decision but i also think it's wrong and i also like it it's very it's a very <laughs> conflicting moment Oh yeah, but that's that's his transformation into Santa. <laughs> yeah. That's like he's that's when he truly moment. became the Joker. 
Yep. Well, yep. now he looks like Santa now. Yeah. The girl, the, you know, because the girl told me didn't. <laughs> Yeah. That was, that was like, his right. Buffalo Bill scene. Absolutely. His dancing Buffalo Bill yes. scene. Yes. But then the, after he finishes, they cut I and he's like to me. in the dark in the rocking chair and it's a really cool shot and you're like, oh, yes. oh my god. Yeah. yeah. So, plenty of effective stuff in this movie. Yes. Um, if you're playing it as like a horror, yeah. And that was one that I, I remember when he when he, um, he hitches a ride on the van that's delivering to the house mm-hmm. and, and then he goes to like the, the caretaker's house pretending you know, he's got the presents and they're like oh those must be for Tommy um, oh you're actually dressed like Santa Claus this year how great and then he just goes shh and it cuts and you're like oh dear they're probably dead <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah how many people does he kill he kills the two caretakers and he kills someone to be able to deliver the presents so like the, yep. uh, the, the person in the truck, van. truck driver or whatever yeah and I think the policeman is there a cop at yeah. the end does he yeah, kill yeah he kills oh. a cop okay I don't okay, remember great. if he killed and the, cop, the dog Yes. yes that's Look, all right, all right, if we're here. <laughs> well, he's gotten, yes, listen, he got to the house, he kills the caretakers, he somehow, for some reason, comes down the chimney still, I guess. Yeah. Like, he could, there's so many doors to this huge castle house, but no, 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 he comes down the chimney. And the kid is sleeping in the living room, and he gets real excited, uh, and he's got his cameras, and then everything, it's like playing beautiful music, and it's like a very good moment, and then the dog starts barking. And you're like, oh, please don't. Please don't, yeah. movie. Please don't do it. <laughs> if it was an American movie, they might not have. Correct. But, yeah. Yeah, yep. American movies have killed dogs before. It's rare, yeah, though. But, yeah. but I don't think American well, they, movies have shown a grown-ass man clearly kicking a dog. Kicking. Oh, well, no, no, no. Literally yeah, that's, that's, that's a different discussion, and we're getting to that in a moment. <laughs> but, no, I would say, like, no, I, American movies, I, I mean, I remember reading this in some screenplay books of, uh, and I mean, I think it's true if you watch for it, they if you want if you want to make a character villainous if you want to make a character make the mm-hmm. audience just be like i fucking hate this person you have them kill an animal yep. but specifically usually a dog yep. and if you want uh to kind of like push against that and the one i can think of is in the movie hannibal which that the hannibal lecter movies they always try to make hannibal the lesser evil of the other people like the tooth fairy is worse than Hannibal because he's out there killing people and Buffalo Bill and then even in Hannibal Mason Verger is just this fucking monster in every way possible Mm -hmm. so we basically are sympathetic in some way to Hannibal there's a scene where Hannibal Lecter has broken into um, uh, Ray Liotta's house he's like trying to get information when Liotta's gone Ray Liotta's dog is there and the dog comes up to Hannibal, and so it's that sort of like, oh, is he going to do something to the dog? Dog just, like, you know, wants to get a pet. Hannibal pets him, walks out the door. And so that, like, signals to the audience, like, oh, he won't kill a dog. Um, <laughs> and so, but there are there are movies that have done it, but this movie does it <laughs> extra yeah. hard. This is Mike's hard dog killing. <laughs> uh, no, I will say, my mouth was agape yep. when it happened. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah, it's um, it's visceral. It sucks. <laughs> there was like a brief moment where I was like, "They better be using a model or at least a dummy for this dog," because I would not put it past them yeah, right. to like Dogma sixty two this shit and just get a 
Well, he's he's kicking a dog multiple times. I will I'll give them the benefit of the doubt of it's possible it was choreographed so that it. You know, because there's plenty of stuff where we like people. The famous one is in Psycho. Everyone thinks you see a knife go into skin in Psycho, and it doesn't happen. That never happens. It's just it's all cut in a way that like the impression you walk away with was you saw that happen. So it's possible that like the guy's moving the foot in a in a close enough vicinity of the dog, and then they have sound effects in there, and so you are then your brain is like, oh, he's literally kicking that dog. <laughs> But it's also possible case. that they just kicked a dog. I don't know. I'm sure they did. Like I'm if I just hadn't saying it's possible. Dog trembling yeah. in genuine fear yeah. earlier in the movie during yeah. a lighthearted moment. Yeah, I'd probably assume this is like, oh, that dog's really well trained and that guy's holding back his kicks. But since, since I saw they initially did not care how that dog feels, like, well, what's cheaper? And then he takes a cake knife, like one of those knives that you cut cakes with, and then he just stabs that dog good in the throat and... I think he didn't for real. I, I, I don't think. <laughs> it looks like it, the it, the knife is probably going in like from behind, like past where you see, and then it's yeah. just like their whole, you know, and it maybe got a squib or something. Um, but yeah, you're right. Wouldn't put it past them if maybe they just <laughs> at least uh, <laughs> maimed that dog. The director's Later. just like, that's a problem. Uh, <laughs> Later did you find this dog? Gonna run no. with. And we're just going to assume that it was like a stunt dog or like, you know. Dog. Or like, I don't know, it was a Nazi during the war. It like supported the <laughs> frames. What are you going to do? Um, but he sold poison milk to school children. To school children. <laughs> <laughs> but like my biggest issue, and this is an issue I have with a lot of horror movies, is like you, you can't have one kill be like really brutal and really like affecting then have all the others either be off screen or like some yeah. some cheap kind of bullshit and it's like that dog murder is fucking brutal yeah every other murder he does is kind of like meh yeah, or I, I didn't even fucking see it yeah. I mean, like yeah. Yeah. it looks like he's hugging a dude to death in the back of a UPS truck <laughs> it's like I, I agree <laughs> with it's you it's just such a weird moment where it's like oh you're gonna go hardcore and then it really doesn't go hardcore as you would expect it to during those moments. I guess I'll say that I agree with you, but and I didn't think about it at the time, but the fact that we do witness that, and it is a dog, and it is in the kid's house, and it is his dog, emphasizes the danger he's in. Because it's his, and it's in his space, and we've seen this go down. Whereas like the other people were killed, and they're like not as connected to him or connected to him at all. Mm. And so I, I agree with you, like, from a as a horror fan, it's like, yeah, I would rather see some better kills. But I'd say there could be a story reason for it of right. we want to make this moment more visceral than anything else. Right, because it is a specific turn in the movie. Yeah. And I think, I would think, since we're talking about French sensibilities, they probably would have thought any other violence is gratuitous, but it's uh. necessary for that moment because it has a point. So, yeah, that's why, like, the other, they're not, like, you know drenching the screen with blood when he's like killing other people which you would expect because that's what the movie feels like um or the director just hates dogs yeah that could be it's possible guys we're out of caro syrup we gotta we gotta be this all off screen what's caro syrup it's um corn syrup no i meant like he's like what do you mean <laughs> oh, gotta be real. <laughs> look we bought six dogs for this we're gonna do six takes <laughs> Can I get a sharper knife? No! You gotta, <laughs> you get in. 
Look what he's lazy. Fucking... You killed dog before. Dog has the same consistency of cake. Fucking fucking man up and do it. All right, so our Santa has arrived uh, in uh, in this castle mansion, um, and basically, as as Jack or someone had talked about, um, Tommy, right, Tomas, yeah, uh, has he's a precocious kid, but he also believes in Santa. Um, and there's one line I want to put out there that I particularly love, uh, where he's talking with his friend, his friend. No, he might be talking to his grandfather at this point, but somewhere there, there was like they raised the question of like santa claus being real or not and then somewhere there's just a stray line where it was but santa claus his skeleton was never found <laughs> yeah, yep. and i was like i wanted the halloween music to kick in and then <laughs> donald pleasance to start staring into the night um but yeah, it's just this random weird moment and then they start saying oh well he's not dead and it's like why why is this dialogue but i'm enjoying it's- it that was the um, scene yeah. between uh, him and his grandpa while they were playing uh, board Dungeons game D&D. And Dragons or yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not playing very well, but I, yeah. I like that. You only had like three dice, so it's like, <laughs> idiot. Yeah. I'm sorry that this 10-year-old and his blind grandpa aren't doing a good enough D&D game for you, Dusty. <laughs> Look, man, it's if you want to realistically kill a dog, you better bring that D&D, man. <laughs> so, yeah, so the kid has been wanting to like prove the existence of Santa – this guy has is you know wants to play with kids in a demented way is, is the implication by the end he seems to be pissed off at the mom because uh, because she fired him after he slapped the girl um, and so now he's like gone to their house the mom is like working late you know uh, on Christmas Eve kind of deal and then she gets delayed for like the whole movie so a bunch of stuff happens like car stuff and everything. So basically, it's like it comes down to the crux of it is the kid is at home with his blind grandfather who can do nothing to help anyone. Um, yeah. But the kid, you know, obviously has like his uh, his engineering stuff and, you know, he has these like playful traps and everything. But, yeah, once Santa kills his dog, he's like, oh, fuck, I got to take this guy out. <laughs> and what I love is that throughout the entire movie he believes he's actually fighting the yes. real Santa Claus. Yes. At no point does he like, oh, wait, this is just a bad guy or this is someone dressed up. Like, he, from the from start to finish, believes that this is Santa Claus who, like, his rationale is because he was trying to, like, see Santa Claus, like, capture him on film and stuff, that Santa's out for blood. And so now the well, kid is... that's what is... his mom told him, essentially. She's like, hey, you can't yeah. look at Santa because then he turns Some... into an ogre except she says yeah. it in french and it's yeah. like and it's like really cute i like how they say it in french but that's the whole thing like his mom it's his mom's fault really <laughs> she's never discouraged his his crazy ass beliefs that's true. So. and the grandpa never... I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> there's so the grandpa they're being chased at first the kid doesn't want to kill santa he's just trying to run from santa he's trying to escape yeah uh, it's only once all of that fails that he finally is like all right santa's going down uh but Never once does a grandpa go, dude, this is just some crazy guy. This is not Santa. Please stop thinking this is Santa. The grandpa never, ever Well, the grandpa once... can't see real well, so he doesn't know for sure if it is or isn't the real Santa. Let's be fair. Great point. Great yeah, he's point. just there like, I'd really like some insulin right now. I'd be really... <laughs> That's what I was thinking about. Uh, so, yeah, they start... This becomes this whole, like, chasing them around the house thing, and, like, they're trying to run... And hide, and the Santa thinks it, or 
Perf Santa thinks it's a fun game or something. And at one point, uh, the the kid, the first thing he tries to do is call the police. Good on you, kid. But Santa's also on the line, and so they freak out. And then Santa cuts the line to that phone. And for some reason, that means all the other phones now don't work. Which, I'm not an engineer, but I'm pretty sure that's not how phone lines work. <laughs> he also cuts it with a cake knife again. Yeah, <laughs> That's you know, his weapon I, I, of choice. That's his uh, chainsaw. Weapon of choice. The only thing that allowed me to kind of accept that, like, okay, this is happening, is I just assumed that Tomah um, put all the phone lines in except for the one in his mom's office. Right. So, of course, they're all connected. Right, he's yeah. A, he's a stupid kid. Yeah, because we mentioned it at the beginning. Kind of a plot is that, uh, okay, so now for some reason he cut the one phone line so none of the phones work except there's one in his mom's office and he has to do a whole thing to get there and that's when he goes through the maze and it's like ridiculous why why is her office through a maze why is it in an abandoned uh attic why is i don't know and how does there's santa another... somehow get their way before him well there's another key room that we haven't addressed we talked about oh, yes. the maze room we've yes. talked about how the you know there's been like the trap door in the floor and that this crazy castle so they're trying to escape santa and he and his grandfather go into this old, like, 1950s refrigerator. And I thought, like, oh, that's a dumb move movie. Like, what, are they just trapped in there now? It's like, But the movie's like, oh, no. You don't, you don't understand where we're going with this. It's a hollowed-out old refrigerator. And, behind, and he says his mom doesn't know about this. So this is, like, right. in a basement or somewhere. I don't know. One of his 5,000 houses. It goes through the wall. 5,000 rooms in the house. goes through a wall. And uh, and it opens up into a space that is bigger than the library in the Breakfast Club. <laughs> yep. It is just enormous, and it's yep. just filled like there's like a fake like rope bridge. Uh, lo- rope bridge like from yeah. Hook in there, and there's <laughs> yeah. just toys everywhere. If anyone's seen everywhere. Robin Williams movie Toys, it kind of feels similar to some stuff in that movie, which came a couple years later. Um, but yeah, there's in this secret room full of toys, and he says it's like his toys and his dad's toys and his dad's it's, dad's yeah. toys, and we're in like the secret <laughs> toy room. And and then later, uh, Santa ends up like getting into that space, and his grandfather's in there alone. And then the kid rescues him because there's another secret entrance mm-hmm. that goes through the kid's bedroom closet. And I'm like, how many fucking secret entrances? Right. Like, is this yes. place like Clue? Yeah. What is going on? Yeah. Which yeah, I the, wanted. The, budget for the, the rebranding of Narnia got really weird in the late 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I want all the secret, uh, the secret passages and all of that. I think that's great. But it is very ridiculous the way that it's, oh, it's like a warehouse. It's like clearly not a room in a house. It's giant. The ceilings are enormous. They never show them. But it echoes like a big, I don't know, like a soundstage or a warehouse. It's ridiculous. And just jack a black full of toys. Oh, and a giant totem pole. You know, everyone's favorite toy. Yeah, there's definitely a Spitfighter airplane in there as well, which is where oh, yeah, he's get introduced to this kid. He's just taking a nap in an old World War II Spitfire. Ridiculous! It's just so insane. So yeah. plot wise, I really want to see the there, Zillow listing for this place. What's that? I really want to see the Zillow listing for this place. <laughs> <laughs> so plot wise, from there, it kind of plays out very similar to Home Alone, yeah. which is this kid is starting to set up traps or use things that we've seen prior in the movie. He has this like 
wrist thing that he's been messing with that's kind of like a computer thing and so he taps into stuff with that he's got like a thing to trace santa claus places um Mm -hmm. like like he puts a tracking device on him he's like hitting him with uh like darts and shit he's got like a grenade he tries to do at one point he's got Uh grandpa hiding in a an old um like knight uh like a knight's (laughs) armor for a while so the plot's like leaning heavy into that kind of stuff um another like kind of (laughs) jaw agape moment for me is they also have the kid carrying and then burying his dead dog (laughs) which i was like we already saw it murdered and now we're like watching this eight nine ten year old kid carrying a dead dog which the dog's tongue was hanging out i don't know if it was great okay you think that that, that would make sense well that's probably the that's probably the best case scenario (laughs) (laughs) you know i started thinking to myself it takes a lot of time to dig a hole if you're right. a grown ass adult. In- How inside much- hole. You talked somehow. about this during Elves, Dusty. <laughs> I look. I would I'd stop talking about it if they quit doing it in movies. <laughs> you should watch but... Megan is missing. Them. <laughs> <laughs> like, again, I wonder was Santa watching him dig this grave? It's just like, nah, man. I gotta, I gotta let this kid grieve. <laughs> <laughs> just like that whole sequence. Is bizarre. I wrote a paragraph in my notes on this sequence because it was so crazy. Because uh, Thomas gets on the house intercom that we haven't mentioned, but obviously there's a house intercom. Uh, he threatens Santa, and then he dramatically sits in a chair in the darkness in a, a room under a round window that looks like the moon, uh, and the camera like walks toward him slowly in this heartwarming Christmas song plays. This is when the Bonnie Tyler Christmas song comes on. And it's talking about how kids should keep believing in Santa and they shouldn't get older and become a man. It's it's hard and you become a man and it's difficult. And it's like, clearly he's reflecting on all of this. And then he slowly walks down the hallway with his dead dog, the tongue hanging out as she's singing, happy birthday, Christmas. Welcome happy home, Jesus. Christmas. I know you reign on earth. You can't understand. Why even a child learning the truth always learns pain. Why does he have to cry to become a man as he's digging a hole in his basement? We're not sure. Uh, it might in a corner of the dog. toy room. It's so weird. It's so weird. And it's, he bites down. Oh, that's right. He, as he's, yeah. as he's sitting in this chair and this song is playing and he's crying, he bites down on a leather strap as he's dressing his wound that he got that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, and I definitely laughed. Because Santa stabbed him with the cake knife. Santa stabbed him. He got stabbed. Oh, when he buries the dog, (laughs) he makes a cross out of a toy sword and this plastic dagger he's at. (laughs) And it's, all of this is supposed to be very, like, not heartwarming. What's, like, oh, you're supposed to have a lot of emotions. But I'm laughing the whole time because it is so absurd. How does he have time for this? Santa's still loose in the house. How does he have any time? He's capable of many a great thing. I think that's what the movie's (laughs) teaching us. Do you remember when Santa walked by the grave? Yes! Yes! It's, it's, he just stopped and looked at it. Yep. And he took it a moment of silence (laughs) and then moved on. Yep, absolutely. God, it made no sense. Two Uh... crazy moments that I want to throw out there is, uh, at one point, there's this uh, race against the clock because... 
blind diabetic grandpa uh, needs his insulin and uh, he's passed out and the kid starts kid gives him insulin shot and he starts beating on his unconscious grandfather like he's Ed Harris in the abyss like you never walked away from a fight in your life like like it just plays like that scene Um, and then the other bit I don't understand and maybe one of you can help me out on when he's trying to take out Santa and he's done all these traps at one point, the kid has a pretty clever bit um, that I thought like worked pretty well. They, um, the kid has like a walkie-talkie, and he has his grandfather saying all this shit like, yeah. "Oh, we're never gonna. I'm not gonna get out of here. You've got to get away. I'm too old." And and so it's to lure Santa into this specific space. The and old we see hocus a, pocus trick. We we see a watch or uh, we see a long shot of it, and there's just like some stuff sitting on the floor, or whatever, in this you know one of these rooms, and Santa goes into this room. And one of the things that was on the floor was like a rolled up carpet. Oh and you God. don't really, it's just like, it's just like set dressing. You don't really pay any attention to it. Then the yep. carpet starts unrolling. The kid's been <laughs> inside of it. And then he closes the door Santa's in and he bars it. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like both yep. for the kid and for the movie. It was like, I didn't see that coming. But then he like does something to the room and like gas starts coming up. And I was like, does the kid have a gas chamber in his house? I think it's, it's a, a sauna. sauna. It's, yeah. a sauna. Okay. it's a sauna. Yeah, yeah. I initially believed it to be right. a gas chamber. <laughs> but I love, I like the rolled up carpet bit is masterful. Very good. And then when he's got Santa locked in and he's just staring at him through the window. Was... like I was just like. So good. I mean. <laughs> There's stuff like that in this movie does that's just like just amazing, and then yeah, a lot of it's just ridiculous. But okay, Eric, that actually ties directly into something I think we need to touch upon here, which is stuff in this movie that legitimately works. Because yes, I I think this movie is really pretty goddamn well shot. Like I mm-hmm. went into this okay. knowing very little and yeah. just like okay, this seems kind of crazy and whatever. I'll ride with it, but. It, I was, like, pretty impressed with how good it actually looked. And there were certain shots where I was, like, they were they were getting the effect they wanted in those moments. Like, there's a part where Santa's, like, the, ki- the kid and his grandfather are trying to escape in a car. And then they show Santa's boots in the foreground. And the car is, is in the background of, of the shot, but it's in front of Santa. Mm-hmm. That was a cool shot. And then they do a reverse shot where you see Santa... Um, and there's like a sunburst kind of thing of light behind him. It's a really creepy kind of moment, and it works super well. And there's other parts where they're like showing close-ups of his boot. Like they do a lot of boots of like to convey him being like creepy and like, you know, coming into the scene. The, um, you know, sauna thing we were talking about is another one. Any others that uh, jumped out for you? Um, I thought the little train scene was great. Um, so he, of course, is concocting a grenade out of a fake plastic grenade. He like mm-hmm. opens a firecracker, puts some stuff in. And he's like, does all this stuff. He's got a little toy train that he's gonna like, got something rigged on the front of it that when it hits, so he like rolls it towards Santa and he like, it's like a crank thing, and it's like, got a music box, so it's like playing this little like, ditty, and then like it's you know the it's a kind of cool little tracking shot of the train coming at Santa. He's hiding behind the tree. It comes to Santa, he's, like, overjoyed, because, again, that, like, he's got that kid's brain, and he, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't do anything, and he spins it back, and then, like, rolls it back, it's playing a little tune again, and, like, this cool, the score subtly starts kicking in while it, building the, it's a really actually well-done scene, 
and then yeah, like it, it, it starts rolling towards the grandpa in the um, suit of armor, and then the kid has to like try to save him in because it's been rigged with a grenade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, a firecracker grenade. But yeah. yeah. The only the only problem I have with that was he basically just ties a lighter to the front of it. I'm like, how is yeah, this how, supposed to light? It, what's, that, the, what's the how that would work? I, I yeah, I didn't think any of that really. But, added I mean, up. this kid is a genius. He's so far beyond our intellect. We probably just can't understand what he set up. So that's yeah. I shouldn't even think about it. Just trust him. But agreed, that was like tension moment. I liked that. That's true. You know that entire car scene with the the grandpa and the kid and the uh, the Testarossa and yes. Santa just standing outside. You know it was a really cool scene and I was really jazzed by everything uh, how it looked. The the thing that just made me realize oh this isn't fucking around is like Santa walks up to the side of the car, and you you think he's gonna like threaten the kid or like do something. He headbutts the yes! windshield. Yes. Ah! <laughs> oh, and then it's... after that. Then he starts sledging away at the car like Gallagher in rehearsal. Yeah. He just picks up a sledgehammer that's nearby and starts wailing on it. That was a, that was a great moment too. But I do I like that was post the headbutting. The head he did like he's like, well, there's nothing around. I better headbutt this. And he's like, oh wait, there's a sledgehammer. The headbutt was insane. There's a, there are a lot of moments in this movie where it's like, oh, you're gonna go there. Okay, wow. Yeah. And some really, like, jump scares when you just, mm-hmm. like, during all the chase sequences where you're just, like, yeah, it's 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 not, from a horror standpoint, it is shot very well. They do, they do get you in a lot of moments. I, I have, I mean, jumping to the end of the movie, sorry, um, where, I, I'm gonna go ahead and spoil the ending, um, he does successfully murder Santa Claus. <laughs> In his brain, he think he shoots Santa, right? Or well, somebody shoots the, Santa. The grandpa, the grandpa shoots Santa. Shoots yeah. Santa. Well, he did. He get he gets him first. He, he shoots yeah, him out right. in the snow. Yeah. yeah, shoots him in the leg. It's a great moment where he's got the gun pointed at Santa. He doesn't want to shoot him because it's still Santa. It's Santa. And he's just like, why? And he's like crying, and it's like like Point Break firing in the air. Yeah, like, very, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's just it like it, like the movie is leaning so hard into action movie tropes, even when yeah. it looks just bizarre, and that's what i ended up loving about it by the end uh, yeah well this is before point break too so they pull they uh, ripped them off too yeah man um but like after he shoots santa and we think maybe santa's dead he runs back inside and like gives his grandpa the insulin and then santa comes back in and they're fighting and blind grandpa grabs the gun but he's like can't see very well everything's super blurry so he's like not sure who he's going to shoot you're not sure if they're he, if grandpa's going to shoot the kid and with this movie it could have happened who knows anyway santa's dead on the ground <laughs> tomas is like the mom finally comes in and is like hugging him and is like you're fine it's okay you're safe and the kid has this thousand yard stare <laughs> like he's just staring and he's like santa's gone santa i can't remember what he was saying but he's just staring. He's blaming he himself. Says, yeah, he says, "I just wanted to meet <laughs> yes. Santa." And he's just staring. And he says, "It was it was my fault." Yeah, my fault. Yeah, yeah. That worked for me. His, that his was entire, horrifying. His entire reality has been shattered. He shan't yes. be the same. Yes. Compare this to Home Alone. Yeah. with everything <laughs> yeah. that Kevin McAllister goes through, and then at the end, he's just like grinning. Just everything's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And here, oh, like, my brother's mad at me. Like, <laughs> like and this kid <laughs> just like. His whole life is just shattered Broken now. Forever. He's, yeah. he's Laurie Strode in 2018 Halloween. After this, he's he's just gone. Yeah, 
yeah. This is an origin story, man. It should be or <laughs> something. Yeah, and it's not like you know that happens, and then there's like five minutes more of movie. It's like he says it's all my fault, and then credits start as if the movie is saying, "You are right, Dittachad. This is all your fault. Life is shit." Yeah, he's not blinking. He won't stop looking at the dead body of Santa Claus. Like, his mom's trying to hug him and trying to grab his face, trying desperately to connect with him and trying to get him to look at her, and he will not do it. He won't turn his eyes, won't blink, just staring, and then movie's over, and I think it starts playing the Bonnie Tyler song again. <laughs> it's like, cool. You know, I'm excited to see what that kid invents next. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, a couple things to throw out there. I saw a, uh, like, a modern review of this. Like, it was... Uh, Praising the cast and direction and noting that, quote, despite some clumsiness, it remains one of the best representatives of what French cinema can offer when it dares leave its comfort zone, which I thought was an interesting review. Wow. Another one said um, that this movie feels like if Tim Burton watched Die Hard and Rambo, knew about Home Alone, then said, how do I raw doll the shit out of this? <laughs> uh, I enjoyed that. And then I've, I've addressed this a little bit with uh, the Home Alone connection. So obviously, listening to this, there is, uh, you know, it, it sounds a lot like it with, you know, you know uh, a home invader kind of thing. And like the kids' parents are gone, that kind of stuff, and all the traps. So um, the director also noticed those similarities. And he actually tried to sue the filmmakers. <laughs> So he said, uh, he was quoted as saying, they, rem they remade my movie, says French filmmaker Rene Manzor. He approached the studio Fox in an attempt to reach a settlement agreement, but Fox has denied any similarity between the films. Quote, I have no choice but to sue them, he says. Uh, Mr. Hughes has said, and this is not a quote, but Mr. Hughes has said he came up with the idea for Home Alone in August 1989 when en route to Paris for a family vacation and denied ever seeing Mr. Manzor's film. Now, I mean, John Hughes was incredibly prolific. He was famous for like being able to like write a script in like a weekend. Oh, wow. um, great writer, amazing. I think it's probably pretty unlikely that he was ripping anybody off. But that said, there's enough similarities here that I could see that guy wondering about it and yeah, maybe especially after home alone was just like skyrocketing yeah. world like yeah just this huge ass movie yeah i i my i kind of perked up when i saw it was a trip to paris like oh uh <laughs> didn't happen to see an ad for something in sky mall magazine uh john hughes uh um but yeah so so there is that connection but a lot of people now i think uh in, have enjoyed the movie because of that weird like that this is like a proto home alone in certain ways and home alone in a different way, you know, and in, in a, in a trashier way, in a more bizarre way, but it has that kind of connection. Um, but I did want to throw out um, if anyone knew of any other like movies in a home alone esque way, um, because I know for a long time there was like literally in studios, they would be like, Oh, it'll be like die hard on blank. Die hard on a train was like, uh, the fucking Steven Seagal movie, um, under siege. And they would do like, Oh, it's die hard on a plane. It's die hard in this or that or whatever. Um, and I was thinking about it. Like there are a number of movies I feel since home alone that have taken that kind of the last act is we take, we put these people in a scenario with a ton of fucking traps and then we just go wild. Oh, Titanic. So, 
sure. Uh, Rambo Last Blood, the most recent Rambo, just becomes Home Alone, a violent Home Alone at the end. Skyfall becomes Home Alone at the end. Uh, Then there's this movie, and then there's one from a few years back called Better Watch Out that actually, like, kind of leans Mm -hmm. into its Home Alone. Did you see it, Eric? Yeah. Yeah, it leans into its Home Alone inspirations. It's basically, like, it blatantly talks about them. Uh, We'll do it on the show some point. It's another Christmas horror thriller. Um, But are there any other, like, movies anyone can think of where, like, the last act goes into, and now, traps. Um, every Wes Craven movie from like the late seventies okay. <laughs> ends right. with some traps. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, recently, Nightmare for sure. The original Nightmare, Nightmare, and um, uh, Last House on the Left does it. Um, I think Hills Have Eyes does it. Like to some degree, there's all he he loves that type of ending. <laughs> Just like set up some traps, kill the bad guy. Um, uh, the a recent action film Nobody kind of has that. Oh, you're right. Warehouse. Yeah, yeah. Um. That's all that comes to mind, yeah. But yeah, there's probably oh, those are good. countless other reasons. All right, so from there, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap up, and I'll ask: Would you recommend Dial Code Santa Claus, Deadly Games, Three Six One Five, Code Pair Noel, Game Over, Hide and Freak? <laughs> <laughs> I yes, and I'll give you one step further. I will call it Essential Christmas Viewing. What? How's that? <laughs> What? And it was a Merry Christmas after all. <laughs> it is a film that you just you just do need to see. Um, I don't. I can't guarantee everyone will like it, but yeah, it's definitely a movie that is some wacky bullshit that takes itself seriously from front to end. Um, I think it'd be. Re- you know, I'm honestly shocked that it's not a part of like Christmas time midnight movies. I feel like that's a slam dunk if you own an independent theater. Just try to hunt down a copy or get a torrent and put it in your movie machine and just show it to everyone. <laughs> and I mean, if you if you really want to, you could tell people it's Tommy Wiseau's origin story and just go from there. <laughs> well, I think, like I mentioned at the beginning, I think just American audiences had no idea this existed unless you were like yeah. super into obscure cult stuff. I mean, I'm sure there's people who knew. I'd never heard about it, um, but because it played at Fantastic Fest and it's now been put on Blu-ray, like more people now are aware of it. Jack, I I don't recommend it. In like, ooh, check out this great Christmas horror movie. Uh, I I think, as I've said often in this section before, I think about would I recommend this to my dad? No, I would not. My dad actually loves foreign movies. Uh, but this is not, this is not one I would recommend to my dad. I can't give it just a blanket like, yes, everyone needs to see this. It's, for me, in the same vein as Elves, even though it's not on the same planet as Elves at all. But it's, like, a weird Christmas thing to watch. Um, not a, like, wow, this is great. Um, because there's just too many weird moments and, like, bad production stuff that really gets to me. Um... But I definitely enjoyed watching it, and there's definitely people who I'm like, I cannot wait to show this to people. <laughs> yeah, for myself, uh, I would recommend Dial Code Santa Claus, yeah. uh, what under whatever name you want to throw out there. <laughs> um, elves, I put out there, you know, I, I said on the Elves episode that it's like one of my favorite bad movies in just how insane it gets, and I like a, a 
objecting, yeah. uh, subjecting people to it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's incredibly tasteless. This movie, like I said, at that first scene, I was like, oh, no, where where are we headed? And then it, it surprisingly has shows restraint at points. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I appreciate the insanity of this movie, the just like balls to the wall craziness, and especially that it doesn't – there's no jokes. It doesn't wink at you that either this guy legit is like – this movie is as serious as Citizen Kane or anything else, or he thought it would play better if he acted like that. Whatever it was, I think it's an amazing thing to watch with that sensibility that it takes itself so seriously and does this like insane concept. And then a lot of it's like done well. I'm not going to say all of it, but a lot of things like they're pulling off. So I would recommend it absolutely for any like horror fan, bad movie fan to Jack's point. I'm not recommending this to my mom, um, but, uh, but you know, there's plenty of people and, you know, m- most of the people who are on our podcasts, like outside yeah. of maybe Jess, I would recommend this to because <laughs> Jess is not a big horror fan, but she might have some fun with some of it with the tracks I don't know. and stuff. The not dog the dog. Scene. The dog mm-hmm. wouldn't work. Right. But, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I would, not only would I recommend this, I am going to be purchasing this and owning a copy of this because I will absolutely want to revisit this uh, some Christmases down the line of like, well, let's watch Dial Code Santa Claus um, and uh, probably pairing it with elves from time to time is a nice double feature. And but yeah, a lot I just, of alcohol. Yes. I just, uh, I, I, I respect its insanity and how committed it is to its insanity and that it's not it's really not cheaply done. I mean, I know uh, people raised a couple things where like they didn't have enough money to do this or that, you know, like in the, in the, like the shooting location they had. And then the model was clearly a model, that kind of stuff. But, um, but it, I, I feel like a lot of places it doesn't cut corners or it finds creative ways around stuff and, and does interesting things. So uh, yeah, I just, I went in knowing very little and not, and I thought, Oh, this could be just like trashy and bad. I'm laughing at it. I really wasn't laughing at it most of the time. I was like surprised at where they were willing to take it, but I wasn't like laughing at it the way I would laugh at elves or other things. Yeah. So it will be joining my collection. What one last thing, just one last thing that I have to bring up. You were mentioning about the, like not having enough money and things like that. There was a moment that I straight up did laugh out loud uh, or they definitely did not have budget to do graphics. Remember, we didn't even talk about this. The scene where he is, uh, Thomas is running around on the roof trying to escape from Perv Santa. Um, and at one point he slips on the roof and is like hanging off the edge of the roof and just screaming in, in, in fear. Uh, they cut to a wide shot of the model. Um, and Oh, I know what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Oh, I noticed it immediately. <laughs> immediately. There's this shadow of the kid i guess it's supposed to be but it's so obviously bad 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 graphics of this kid hanging on the roof it's a cartoon it was a cartoon cartoon shadow and it was absurdly terrible they should not have done it it was so very very bad one of the several moments of like ooh, production quality not not primo on this well, right before that, though, he's uh, so the, the Santa has chased him like out the window. He's he's on the kids on the roof. He's trying to get away. Kids like going along um, the ledges of the roof and they get a, like a close up into the house. And I didn't initially register as I was watching and I'm taking notes and whatever. 
And then right after that, I'm I, the next shot I'm seeing is like, oh, this is clearly the fucking model. Yep. And I was like, wait, did they like do something really neat where it's like they tricked you into thinking that this is all one continuous shot? And I rewound. I was like, oh no, it's just a dissolve. Yep. They like yep. they like zero in on one area of the house. <laughs> yep. They dissolve, and then when they come out of the dissolve, now it's the now they're like showing you the full house, but it's clearly the model. So I thought like, oh, maybe they did some kind of like Hitchcock rope <laughs> kind of thing where they like hid the cut. It was like. No, they didn't hit oh. shit. No, it's nope. it's there. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, can I find this? So, like I had said, this movie I think was just kind of doomed to obscurity um, for uh, for decades. Um, Jack may disagree with "doomed" being the correct word there. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe she feels uh, contained appropriately. I'm not yeah, sure. I do. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I think it was available, you know, probably just in Europe, uh, like VHS and stuff. I don't know if it was ever on VHS here. It was not released theatrically, from what I could tell, until Fantastic Fest in 2018. So it has been largely unknown to the uh, American public. That has changed after Fantastic Fest uh, got it. And they also, like, cleaned it up and everything. They did, um, you know, like, a, they made everything look pretty good. So the file that we used was looking good, because I'm sure... If there were bootlegs of this floating around the past, they would have probably been pulled from some old VHS tape, and they probably would have looked terrible, and this was not the case. Where can you watch this? Um, there might be some others, but the two places that I was seeing, Amazon Prime has it, and more uh, appropriately, Shudder has it, mm -hmm. which I didn't know when I was going through Shudder stuff this uh, Halloween but that is because, I did not know this, because it was not going under the name Dial Code Santa Claus. Um, it was I, either going under Deadly Games or Game Over. Because I thought the 3615 Code Père Noel, I knew it had a French title, but I thought Dial Code Santa Claus was like, oh, that's the English title they use. Because that was the trailer I saw had that title. But yeah, I guess more often than not, it's under Deadly Games, and then I've seen other places that list it as Game Over, so it's all over the map. So you're going to have to like look for it in different ways, but it is on Shudder. Um, like I said, I, I think it's under Deadly Games. It's on there, um, but, but double check, search a couple of the titles, um, and you can find it. And then it has been released on DVD and Blu-ray by a company called Camera Obscura, and that is region-free. So if you don't have an all-region Blu-ray player, it would be fine. It would play in your uh, Blu-ray player or probably gaming system. Sometimes I think there's issues, but usually it's probably fine. And then 4K and Blu-ray was released by Vinegar Syndrome, which they are kind of like a higher-end um, like um, company that releases like obscure titles and stuff. And I think they might have done the cleanup on it, like the 4K was through them. So I think they might have like made it look pretty good. That also is region-free, and that's probably the one that I'm going to try to track down. So there are a few ways out there of watching uh, this amazing film. Uh, Dial Code Santa Claus, my favorite title, but uh, you know, Deadly Games, uh, 3615 Code Paranoel, Game Over, Hide and Freak. So uh, go out there and uh, look for this film, and then... Wrapping up from there, I mentioned that we will have another holiday offering for our listeners coming up. So this episode is probably going to air like into the week of Christmas, and then the other episode I'll probably release, you know, Christmas Eve or something. 
So in the past, any listeners might remember back in April, we did what I was calling an uncanny cinema uh, switcheroo, where we looked at an actual like famous movie, because that's not what we normally do. And, uh, you know, as part of like April Fool's Day. So we watched The Last Jedi. So I don't want to make that a regular thing because it's obviously would break the format of the podcast. But that said, we do a lot of episodes. We do a lot of episodes on a lot of obscure stuff, weird stuff. It's going to be fun for our panelists to every once in a while get a nice treat mm. and watch something they're aware of, watch something that everyone knows is good and that kind of thing. So I was thinking about, all right, well, how could I do that that's not just April 1st? Because then it's just, oh, I can only do one a year. So I looked at the calendar and figured, well, could I split these up in some way? So if I did one in December, and if I did one, I think it was July or August, I'd have to look at it. But basically, there's a way where you can do um, three in a year, you know, split about like roughly, you know, four months in between. So we'll still do one in April. Uh, we'll do one in August. So when that gets closer, August, I think is when it was August or July. When that gets closer, I'll announce that. Um, but we are going to do one here for December, and that is going to be the Uncanny Cinema Christmas present. So to go along with uh, with this one for uh, Dial Code Santa Claus, we're going to be watching the amazing, the immaculate film, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So Jack, Eric, and Jess will be joining us for that one, our regular uh, fantasy sci-fi crew. So um, it's a film I particularly love, I think. At least Jack and Jess are huge fans. I know Eric is a fan. He just said he hadn't seen it in a long time. So we're all like, uh, you know, fans or huge fans of the film. And we will be diving into Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But like I said at the beginning of this, that's going to drop within a few days of this episode. So if you're catching up, it's already going to be uh, out at that point. Um, and then once Willy Wonka is wrapped, we will be back sometime in January. I need to start uh, figuring out what ones we're doing and start getting crews together and getting people here on time and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and um, so we will uh, start recording again and putting things out sometime in January and moving forward. So join us next for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and then for some more films to be determined. See you then.